Hey guys, in uh, light of us recording early with Saul going out of town this weekend, of course we risked missing out on some information, though at the time of recording the episode we did think that we had enough to form an opinion. Uh, with that said, we still stand behind everything that we said in the episode, uh, but just to be a little clearer with the information that we have, uh, we are you know that we've since had time to learn, I want to clarify that there have been some people that have come out from Rockstar and said that it did feel like there was, even though it wasn't called mandatory, but if was pushed in a way that it felt like mandatory overtime to get stuff done. This was primarily in the Lincoln department for Rockstar, uh, where they were testing the game. There's been a couple other people, but I still think everything we said in this episode stands um, to what we truly believe, and um, we are still interested to hear what you think. And of course, as this story continues to unfold, we will get more information. But with that said, uh, enjoy the episode. Red Dead sprung some controversy. Is crunch time worth it? Hello and welcome to Triangle Square Day PlayStation Podcast. I am your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, Mr. Saw Bridges, bringing you a lucky episode 82. 82. Uh, for people who listened last week, I'd like to thank you for coming back if you did come back because the audio was horrendous. I had to do some special stuff to make me heard, but we have made sure that's not going to happen today. Uh, but with that being said, we are Triangle Square Day PlayStation Podcast. Like we said, you can find us in video format on YouTube every Monday at 10 a.m. PST and 12 p.m. CST. If you like what we're doing over there, hit the subscribe button uh, and then hit the bell so that you can see when everything's coming every Monday, bare minimum, and the first Friday of every month as well. But we also do some extra stuff here and there, though lately we've not been too much. You can... Give us your thoughts on the topics that we cover in the comments below. We'd love to hear from you. And if you don't want to do it there, but you'd like to jump into the Discord, we are on Discord. But more importantly, you can also find us in audio-only format on podcast services now, including Spotify, so that's iTunes, Google Play Music, even though it seems like it's moving towards Google Podcasts. So if you own Android, go that route. Or go Spotify if you have Spotify. Uh, and you can find us on other things like Podcast Addict. Of course, if you listen on iTunes, consider giving us a review. Helps get our numbers up there. Tells us how we're doing and it lets other people know how we are. Uh, and of course, we just like to see uh, and hear ideas from you lovely, fine people. And lastly, you can find us on Facebook and Patreon. Facebook is Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. It is a group where we talk about all the stuff we do here. Uh, we could... You want to grow it up? If you like the more con, you know trolled conversation that you can come back to, then you can do that. I said trolled, but controlled conversation you can go there or you can find us on patreon at nartech gaming which is our umbrella channel for everything and you can support us on there we make cool custom cases that we post over on twitter got a new one coming fresh and hot you can probably guess what it's for but i'm gonna leave that to your imagination and with that being said i think it is time to get into the show Saul, so what have you been playing this week destiny 2 destiny we all 2. knew that was coming yeah so destiny 2 uh i've been playing a little bit of uh Mer no Mercenaries Playground and Destruction. No, wow. What is it called? It's the night game on uh, PS Vita. The it's night? a side-scrolling game where you're a knight and you you die in limited amount of times. So every time you die, you come back as an ancestor of yourself. It's a side-scroller. Uh, Rogue Legacy? Yes. I didn't know you picked up Rogue Legacy. I've had Rogue Legacy ever since I had the Vita the first time. Oh, yeah, PS Plus game. Oh, I didn't buy it on PS Plus. That, that would have been good to know. Yeah, it was a PS Plus game. That's how I actually got it. It's a good game, though. It's a very good game. Corey loves that game. And yeah. you know what? I liked it the first time around. I almost wonder, since for some reason I've gotten to the point where I seem to like roguelikes a lot more, I think I may go back to it. Oh, yeah, it's real fun. Really um, fun. Because, oh, my God. So that's all you've been playing? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Uh, 
Celeste on Switch as per Corey, but that I didn't get to hop into that much. So okay, uh, that's just it, like that's just it. like you're not gonna get to uh, hop into the drop or drop into the hop, as they say, yeah, uh, as the cool kids say uh, this week. Because we are just to be clear, recording this early. This is Thursday, Way early. Uh, two days. Saul early. has to go out of town and do adult stuff this weekend, so that's cool. Um, but yeah, I've actually been doing the same thing. I've been doing a lot of work around the house, so pretty much the only time I've been gaming is been, and I've also been working out, trying to get them, uh, trying to get them fitness points. I actually don't have anything to measure those. I'm just you know talking out my ass. Um, but I've been playing my Vita and that one more dungeon game. I just keep getting further, and dude, it's so addictive. And it's the same thing. It's it's a roguelike now, not as deep as like Death Gambit. Oh, not Death Gambit. Sorry, Dead Cells. Um, Dead Cells is probably my all time favorite. Yeah, uh, Dead Cells of, is really good. Of, of of any kind of roguelike game. I really, really enjoyed it. It's a great game, and I look forward to going back as they continue to update it. There's getting, it's getting new DLC uh, soon Ooh, uh, for free for everybody. So if you like the game, go check that out. Um, but, you know, honestly, I think that's it. I don't even think I've... Okay, yeah, I did. I, did, I played a little bit more Terraria, um, and I think I played Firewall but my brain is tired and my legs are even more tired. So it's also I, I'm weird. Pretty sure I did. When we record this early. Cause it's like, it feels like we just talked like two days ago. It does. Even though we even didn't, though we didn't. Yeah. That's okay. Um, I guess from there, since there is no drop this yeah. week, we will go into the news, sure. which is also a little short because of the time period in which we're recording, but screw it. We're going to go into it, talk about the things that we know of so far. Uh, let's see. First thing is pretty interesting. No, not massively surprising, uh, but in its first three days on sale, Call of Duty Black Ops 4 has sold more than $500 million, including retail copies, digital copies, and that also includes season pass sales. Um Man, this is crazy. So this, to me, shows that despite the campaign, the changes that they've put in the multiplayer was enough to pull people back in or at least gain their interest enough to want to buy the game. But I think it also proves that Battle Royale is as strong as ever. Because obviously, what I've you and you included, and, and honestly, I played it too. Not enough for me to buy the game, but I know that other people would definitely, on the other multiplayer modes as well as uh, Blackout, that was enough for some people to just go, oh, I'm interested in this game again because they're finally doing something different. Because I will say this. One thing I've noticed across the board outside of the in, either the inclusion or the uh, taking away of the jump, jumpsuit, jet suit stuff, um, most people complain that Call of Duty's not really done a lot different even in the multiplayer realm, even with last year's World War II, where it was essentially the same game modes you had on Black Ops 3 and Infinite Warfare and Advanced Warfare, but just changes in how you move based off of what time period the game is set in yeah and not only not only like can it can it show that battle royale is very strong right now but it's also one of the most cleanest battle royale experiences to have with the the best performing a couple of hiccups here and there supposedly with the network apparently their servers aren't the greatest in the world but in yeah, terms of like sense. the best looking and the best playing, this is yeah. top tier. And I think servers make sense, right? It's I think it's hard to quite know how many people are going to jump in and how servers necessarily have to work on maps that are so big. Even though they were obviously trying to server test pretty hard when they were doing the uh, beta, yeah, when they bu- jumped the players up uh, towards the end. Um, but you know that's interesting. I mean, that's not that surprising. And honestly, if they can get, they have the money. Obviously, they can get it under control rather quickly. It'll be fine for them. For sure. Um, yeah. No, I totally agree. And I, I think that this is probably going to be the most successful Call of Duty ever. 
Honestly, who knows? It, it obviously with how big I keep saying obviously for some reason, but with how big battle royale uh, as a genre has been lately, and how big Fortnite's doing, uh, and even then with the somewhat continued uh, hype around a little bit of um, what was Battlefield? The, no, no, no. The original, uh, not the original, but uh, PUBG. Yeah. Um, it's you know it's it's kind of hit or miss, but there's, it still obviously has its its fan base. But I wonder how much Call of Duty and Battlefield are going to steal some of that away, as they are more akin to it than Fortnite. Uh, I think, I, like I said, I think they're going to be the best call. This is going to be the best Call of Duty ever sold. And I think that. Uh, what do you think about Battlefield? It's not going to sell nearly as much as this. I still like. I, I may pick up Battlefield because Battlefield is more fun to play one by yourself. To me, I can um, see that. Um, it's, did have they've done a? I know that they've done a beta, or at least they did something. But did the, did the beta include the battle royale? I mode? don't think so. No, I, I can't I don't even think what their battle royale mode is called right now. But it doesn't look as good to me, at least. Um, so I'm I'm kind of on the fence about picking it up. These games are coming at a weird time this year, with Red Dead being right around the corner, and then another the new Destiny uh, expansion in December. So it's kind of like. You know, pick one, go. Sure. You know, on Battlefield, it's interesting. I don't know why I just thought about this, but you don't think some of what makes it not look as good or maybe not look as much and feel maybe as much as like a change is, you got to think about this. Call of Duty's traditionally been, uh, what, 12 people or or eight people on a map? Or 16 max, I guess, actually, right? Eight and eight? Uh, or is it 12? 16, right? Is it eight versus eight or is it? Six versus six? It's not five, I don't think. I don't think it's five either. But regardless, my wow, point yeah, this being, is... I haven't played a long time. Let's just say time. 16 max, right? I know it's not over that. But when you look at a game that had 16 players max, right, and had very tight levels that were designed to have a corridor here, a corridor here, an open space here in the middle, which kind of funnels people into different sections, at least in all the experience I've had with Call of Duty games, uh, you put it against a game like Battlefield, which has always traditionally really been pretty open, pretty big, and included vehicles and stuff that you see yeah. in Black Ops. It's almost like Battlefield moving to it doesn't feel like as much of a change of pace as it does in something like Call of Duty because Battlefield games were essentially team-based, but just two huge teams of 32. Yeah. Uh, team-based yeah, Battle Royale it's, it's already almost the same in terms thing. of general play style. Now, of right. course, you didn't drop. Uh, well, I mean, you kind of chose your spawn point. Which is well, yeah, yeah, you you chose your spawn point or you know wherever your squad. So was in at. a way, you weren't dropping, but you were kind of. That's what I mean. Is they, I wonder if it's I almost think, like it just doesn't feel like it's it's more exciting in Call of Duty because it feels like such a change of pace in a game that's otherwise not had too much besides more refining. Whereas this just feels like a more natural evolution, but less exciting because of it. Well, and Battlefield is much more of a team oriented game in my opinion as well, which is what's odd about me liking it more so when I'm solo. Uh, I think that the, there's actually roles in Battlefield games that actually carry out properly that there's not really in Call of Duty. Oh, no. Uh, uh, not now, at least. There's now team roles in Call of Duty, like the medic and stuff. But Wait, in the newest one, there's a medic? Yeah. Or was that in the last one, too? Uh, I, I don't remember. Infinite Warfare. That game was garbage. I'm talking about <laughs> online. Um, That's what I'm talking about. There's a, there's, I know, a, but there's a new medic, like one of those It must be in World suits. War II, because I don't remember Infinite Warfare oh, having... Yeah, dang. Yeah, no. I don't remember Infinite Warfare War, having. Yeah, WWE had nothing like that. See, the, the we and don't be wrong. I just maybe I didn't play enough of it to know, but I know Advanced Warfare didn't. And and from what I played, right. Black Ops Three. Well, no, no Call of Duty game really has except this one. This okay. is, and this is one of those newer class abilities where it's more so of like an assist thing going on. Like where I don't know if you it's it it's since it's a team shooter. 
Yeah, no, it, it sounds somewhat like Killzone, which was the idea of, of more Call of Duty-style things where there's maps that have an open area and corridors on the outside so that you can either fight on the outside and kind of push each other inside to have crazy warfare. Um, a lot of the maps were like that on uh, Killzone 3, and that's actually what it sounds like you're talking about um, because it is like, I think Killzone 3 was either 12 or 16 people, uh, and it had very specific roles that mattered. Uh, and not only did they matter in terms of how they were going to affect your own style of gameplay, but how you were going to affect your team's ability to perform. So you had Medic, which is normally what I rolled as, which gave you the ability as you leveled up to either uh, deploy a robot, uh, that would shoot for you, and and actually, it's funny. It could, it would pick up somebody behind you if they were being too rambunctious or whatever. You didn't even necessarily have to listen. Uh, it would just turn around, and start shooting them. You could know somebody's behind you, so you could quickly get in the cover. Uh, but more importantly, if you died, uh, it gave it had the ability to revive you once. Now it still counted as a death, but you could get back up uh, and keep going without having to restart. And and possibly like so, say say somebody downs you. And then you wait for them to run past you, you pop back up and you can cap them. There was an engineer which could place turrets and stuff like that, which would matter in terms of holding a fort down or holding a, uh, you know, a congestion point down. Yeah, that's and very then, battlefieldy sounding. Yeah, and then, of course, the other thing you had, uh, it, it was either an engineer. There was, uh, I, I can't actually remember the name of the class right now, but it was essentially a sniper and they could go uh, silent. I think it was marksman, something like that. Um, Hunter, maybe I can't remember uh, the class names, but the engineer also had the ability to fix ammo crates because that game had ammo crates and you actually needed to use them. Uh, so uh, essentially, your your uh, enemy team could shoot at yours and and screw it up. And at the beginning of the game, they'd be screwed up. But if you had an engineer on your team, they'd run around, they'd fix it, and then you had more ammo. What a weird mechanic! Around. I loved it. It was amazing, and it gave you uh, more incentive in terms of. Uh, leveling up as well because it gave you points for everything you did so if you revive somebody you got points if you fix one of those you got points if you set a turret you got points if you you know it, it was interesting and i, I like the way that it gave you flexibility and uh, the upgrading so i've always wished that call of duty had something like that if they're doing that moving forward great because that just gives well, the game that much more depth from what i've seen and read that's pretty much what it is in this game so you might want to check out black ops 3 in terms of like the actual multiplayer side yeah, I have it. Might as well. Oh, no, actually, Black Ops 3 was just the... I mean, Black Ops 4. Oh, okay. I was to say, because Black Ops 3 was just the campaign, wasn't it? Whenever they gave it away for free on PS Plus, was it just No. The, it was the full game? It was the full game. Okay, yeah. I need to look and see about that. Yeah. Uh, but either way, I may check out... I don't know if I want to buy it. It's definitely not something soon with Red Dead coming so soon. Yeah. yeah uh, sure. And I don't even know if I'm going to be able to play it. I haven't started Hollow Knight yet, because I've been busy. Yeah, you're real messing up. I'm real messing up, but oh well, too late to start Hollow Knight now. I won't be able to get far enough in before Red Dead, and I'll just... I, I mean, if you make it the only game you play other than stuff on Vita, you 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 be able to crank it out. Uh, not with as much work as I'm having to do around. So it's fine. I'll save it until I can just play only it. After Red Dead, before it, Darksiders. Yeah, was, yeah. Speaking of Darksiders, Hush. we got that coming up soon. Anyway, next thing up is uh, those hoping to be playing Rocket League crossplay soon will have to wait as the developer has posted an update on its blog page stating that they are having to delay the feature into early 2019. So, of course, we knew that Rocket League was going to be one of the first games to be crossplay in this situation. Uh, they were obviously aiming for it, but not going to happen now. So you can wait a little bit longer, um, sadly. Uh, in case that was something you were looking forward to. doesn't really affect me. I don't play the game anymore, and I probably wouldn't care that much about crossplay because I don't have friends that play it that I'd be anxious to play with. But you know what? If you did, I apologize. Uh, next up, Overwatch has raised $12.7 million in funds to donate to the Breast Cancer Research Foundation through the sale of a limited edition uh, or a limited time exclusive skin for Mercy that is pink as well as themed apparel to match. Um, I think that this is interesting. The main reason I included it is it's an example of a game that has such a massive uh, stance in the industry 
in this particular situation using its platform that it's created in the community that it's created to do some sense of objective good. Now, of course, people have their own things about charities and how useful they really are. I do like that this isn't Susan G. Komen, uh, and it's going towards something that would hopefully, and I don't know much about the, the you know, uh, nonprofit or whatever, um, but I would hope that it's actually set up to give the majority of the money uh, out to actual research and stuff like that. They did have a thing, I didn't get to look over it, of where the money was going to be used uh, and exactly how it was going to be dispersed amongst the things to work on, you know, either treating or, or curing or preventing and I think that's pretty interesting. Uh, I feel like I'm surprised that, as far as I know, I haven't seen Fortnite do something like this. Yeah, that would be the game to really make the killing right there. That's and This is not the first time Blizzard's done this. This is probably the sixth or seventh time, yeah. from specifically a Mercy skin as well. And it's interesting, right? Because, now don't get me wrong, it's a good deed, right? And, and I mean, truthfully, it's a good deed. But the flip side of that is... It gets people more engaged with the game over a good cause. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's and then a, the secondary thing is it's just good PR. It's a win-win across all, literally all, all, all boards. Yeah, so. and, and of course, I mean, even I assume from what it looked like, they didn't keep any of the money from this design, and all they did was anything, if that design sold, they, that money went directly to breast cancer. It's amazing that they can raise that much in that short of a period of time, so good for them. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of Darksiders 3, though, uh, developer Gunfire Games have announced, rather unsurprisingly, uh, that the game will take an average of 15-plus hours, depending on play style, and leans more heavily on gameplay than the story. And that's in an attempt to avoid what some fans of the second game considered a kind of long-winded story in a couple areas where it would run through. And, and a couple of people in the Discord, I think it was World End, actually, uh, mentioned that the problem that the game had, and it, it really is a problem uh, if you care about it that much, it had you do a bunch of stuff in sets of three. And, you know, a lot of games lean on that heavily, uh, but when you lean on it too heavily, it becomes heavy-handed and noticed. Like, you're like, wait a minute. They're just doing this to kind of pad the, the game. And, of course, the story in two was cool, but it kind of went a little bit longer than you, than it could have. I thought it was good either way, and I love the gameplay and the very Diablo-esque thing. I don't think that that deep of an RPG mechanic is going to be back in this game, which is unfortunate. Uh, did you play Darksiders 2 or 1? I played a little bit of 1, but I played it on PS4 as the as the Darksiders 3 War Mastered. Yeah. yeah. And it felt so much like a PS2 game, and not a good one to me. Now, hold on, I can I can actually agree with you on Darksiders One. I still think you should actually play Darksiders Two because no. it feels massively better if, and it plays. If I can't get into the first game different. of a series, I'm not going to get in the second game. And I, I'm just I, I, even if it's fun to me, I'm not going to care enough to like jump in, or I'm not going to want to. Well, I know it's an interconnected world, and I'll give it that. But this is in a sense, somewhere in between a traditional series and something like Final Fantasy, where the individual stories and games are tied together. Yeah, people have always compared them to Zelda. But, huh? People have always compared them to Zelda. Well, yeah, and gameplay too, because they have dungeon-style gameplay. It's like if you take Old God of War, uh, Castlevania, they have like some Metroidvania aspects in there, definitely in two. Um, and then, of course... Well, even one, actually. They're both pretty heavy on that. Uh, and then, of course, Zelda-style gameplay. That's pretty much what they are. Now, the first game is older, and it was a low-budget game, and the se it sold well enough to make the second game feel massively better. Uh, Death is way faster and more fluid-feeling than War, so it doesn't feel like a tank control in like a bad way. Because I will say, as much as I like Darksiders 1, I only still enjoy it because of the nostalgia of playing it when it first came out. 
Two feels good to this day as an actual game. Oh. Um, now, and, and I do think that as a game, you'd like it better because it does have like a Diablo-esque uh, rarity of items. Every item, can you can drop weapons, pick them up, and there's different roles and stuff you can get on there. I love that. Uh, and that's something the game, the first game was sorely missing. There's more skill trees involved. Uh, exploration's more cool. Uh, it, or, and really more rewarded. It's, it, it's interesting. I mean, if you're not going to play it, you're not going to play it. But I think that over the two... You would actually play it and be like, holy crap, I can't believe this feels as much better and looks as much better. And it's just, in my opinion, it's generally a better game than the first one. But Yeah, and I just I think it's past the time uh, that uh, that I should have given it to play. So I think it's more of those things like, even if I don't have anything else to play, I'd probably rather pick up my Switch or Vita and play something than that. Fair enough. Or on that. Fair enough. Um, the other thing about that is HDR has also been confirmed. So if you have a TV that can support HDR, you get to see all the beautiful colors uh, a little bit better. And a little more precise. Uh, next thing up, system software update 6.02 is out now adding, you guessed it, grass-fed grade A kosher system stability. Um, you know, as they always do. But what that actually boils down to on this one is a fix for the message bug that we talked about last episode uh, that was soft-locking people's systems. Uh, so... If you receive this message, it would have the potential. Actually, it would softlock your system because the PS4 couldn't understand the characters uh, and people were just sending around to be buttholes, basically. Uh, so that should no longer be a problem. Though, I didn't get to see Hakuto shared something on the Discord today, which sounded like it was a don't do it because there's something else it's doing. It's a download problem in which your PS4 can uh, has problems downloading something. But it's also on a website that has been proclaimed to be very tabloidish. So, like, I don't know if it's worth it or not. I couldn't find anything on Reddit or on Twitter about it. You gotta love tabloids, so, man. I didn't look into it further enough. So, I'm sure by the time we uh, we post this episode, there'll be something made headway for that because it's gonna go to that one website. Or no, <laughs> sorry, it's not. It's not that website. Oh, I know it's not. But I was saying it was the National Enquirer of Game News. I'll uh, I'll point it out to you here real quick if. Um, yeah, just I'm not gonna say it on the air, just in case it is an actual. Uh, oh, them. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, so that's it's, just this title right here. Just having random words and caps kind of throws me off. But oh yeah, no, it's it's like uh, it's like gotcha journalism. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that uh, by the time this episode actually airs, there'll be some more news on it. If that was. But we'll see. Up. So by the time this airs, yeah, uh, try and look up if you if you've not up. Graded, uh, downloaded yet. Uh, I don't know if it's an enforced one or not. They didn't go too far into it. Surprisingly, this is like the only update I've ever seen that didn't have a blog post update. Like They didn't post anything on the blog about it. Well, they are also pretty bad about handling the way the messages were th- were, uh, were processed, too. Did you see the, the, the official fix was posted in a Ask PlayStation UK Twitter post? And I did. It was never acknowledged by like actual PlayStation. It was never like a big tweet or website post about how to fix it. It was just that one tweet. Yeah. They never say anything about it. Pretty pretty bad. So. Yeah. And the only reason it even got out past that is people were just basically <laughs> captioning the tweet yeah. on Reddit or uh, different uh, different sites were just posting it as news. and It sat on the front page of Reddit for nearly 40 hours, just chilling. So, <laughs> All right. Okay. So next up, the self-proclaimed, quote, wildly popular dad dating simulator, end quote, uh, Dream Daddy is coming to PS4 in the form of the Dad Rector's Cut. What is up? With versions coming to console having just ridiculous names. I don't like it. Like, sometimes I'm a little more... Okay, like, uh, speaking of Darksiders, Darksiders 2... Oh, look go at ahead, it. Go Get ahead. Get it, Saul. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, but Darksiders 2, Definitive Edition, that's actually clever. 
and it's not that weird. I don't care what it is. Oh, I don't no, like no any wrong, of them. but that's that's the war. The what is it called? The war mastered. No, yeah, see, get no, that war, out of here. War mastered, pretty bad. And then and then the remastered. You remember that for Gorilla, uh, Red uh, Red Faction Gorilla. My point being is that of all of them, <sighs> Definitive sounds close enough to where it's it doesn't sound ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know. They're all bad. They are all weird. I don't really understand a thing of it. I like the idea of being punny, but not to the extent where it feels too forced. Anyway, uh, I want to. I have problem with their uh, with their wildly popular dad dating simulator because they make it seem like they're top of their uh, thing. But guess what? Games involving dads. Uh, I don't think you realize what they mean by dad. Uh-huh. Oh, first of all, I have no clue. Is it just? Is it supposed to be? Uh, homosexual men i'm gonna let kiki explain it to you it, it, I'm, I'm serious is that what it is pretty much so maybe not, not in this context of the game but like typically like going off of we've been called daddies first of all i'm not trying to offend anybody out there yeah, hey guess what guys i'm a dad. also i looked it up there's like this is also like a person with a dad bod first of all i don't have a dad bod i don't think brett even has a dad bod I, i've had a dad bod you've had a dad bod i think when we first started this show none of us qualify show, for that um second of all uh, Kiki, inform your man over here. Then inform Corey because Corey will probably be your daddy. We all know that would happen. <laughs> okay, well, enough of that. My point is that if they think they're the tip top of the dad game, they don't know what they don't know about Shower with the Dad Simulator 2015 on the Steam. Uh, if you've not seen this game, please just go watch somebody play it for a couple of minutes. It is hilarious. And first of all, it is probably one of the most hilarious games I've ever seen in terms of the Steam page for it. And I know this is a PlayStation podcast, but you know what? It's important sometimes to have a little fun and see some ridiculous stuff. The reviews are great for this game. Real quick, I'm just going to give you a couple of them. I'm sure even the beginnings are are great. Uh, Let's see. (laughs) Oh, see, they're not as good as they used to be. Oh, well. Reminds me of my childhood, 10 out of 10. What? <laughs> There's some pretty good ones, though, uh, if you keep going and digging in there. I remember when I found that game, like, the year it came out. It's only a dollar. I've been meaning to buy it just to play it. It's funny. They were talking about, like, you could be a white dad with a black kid. <laughs> it's just funny. It's obviously ridiculous. But I think that this is part of that culture of people just making games to see what they can get away with. Probably Definitely so. on Steam, because Steam seems to not care. You just go, you know what, guys? I want to make a game where you shower with your dad. <laughs> and it's it's pixely art. It's pixel art, so it's not they get away with it in that I mean, sense, it's more but... cartoony art than anything. It's like more like an actual cartoon image. Oh, you like, that? Gets me, yeah. oh also my shower with your dad simulator. Oh, yeah. That's now, right. that, of course, also is... Th- dating simulators have been around forever. Thick, I'm not even surprised about thick this. Thick binder bod. Oh, great. I great, like it. great, great, great. Anyway, the game will feature originally cut content uh, that was absent in the original game, uh, new side quests, and the ability to replay mini games as well as one new mini game. Uh, and releases October thirtieth. No price yet. Uh, how much was it on computer? You know, I have no idea. It seems like guess a ten dollar game. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna guess ten dollars. Look, we're, we're, look we're, we're both together on that one. I imagine it'll probably be the same price. Um, next thing up, though, we're almost done. Spider Man's first DLC, The Heist, uh, featuring that. Ooh, excuse me. Fourteen ninety nine. Fourteen ninety nine. That doesn't seem worth it. But you know what? If you like dating and you were into hot to full boyfriend or whatever it's called, where you were a pigeon dating other pigeons, uh, dating games are weird. I don't get them. But that's okay if you like them. Roll with it. Uh, anyway, 
Uh, the Heist, which is Spider-Man's first DLC featuring Black Cat, uh, is set to release Tuesday, adding three new suits and begins a new interconnected story that is going to take place across all three DLC releases in the new City That Never Sleeps, or the City That Never Sleeps DLC pack. Uh, it can be bought individually for $9.99, or all three can be purchased for $24.99. So if you want on that grind and play all three of them, get them for a little bit cheaper and go ahead and buy them. Last thing on our list is... Technically, before we go into the main topic. But those of you curious about the size of Red Dead Redemption 2 amidst all the leaked pictures of the cases and everything can now be sure of how much space they'll need in order to install the game. Uh, it's pretty interesting, mainly because I don't understand the second part, but I don't know how digital installation works. But if you're installing from a disc, you will need 99 gigs with digital users needing the same plus an additional 50 gigabytes that looks to only be used during the install part process. So I don't know if it's a buffer to make sure that That's it gets weird. installed and then it just cuts itself away. Or if it's saying that it's it needs that because there's a day one patch that's tied into the release that has to be installed alongside it. I don't, I, know. I don't know. Yeah, that's weird. Because if anything, I would think that the disc would need the day one patch, not the digital version. Is it something with the preload process? I don't know. Really, I don't know. I, they didn't go into depth, but this was uh, actually... I think I'm going to get that digital anyways. By, really? Yeah, you go to the 9 o'clock like, release. You saw how long it took 45 gigs for Spider-Man. You got to <laughs> double that. <laughs> that is true. That is a very good point. Yeah, so no. Like, then again, I don't feel like this game is going to be... You don't feel be, like Spider-Man? I don't... Yeah. It makes me feel like John Marston or whatever. Arthur. Arthur, um, Arthur Clemens. Is that his name? Clemens? I don't think so. I, was about to say, I don't think so either, but... Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, I don't feel like this game is going to be like Skyrim, where as soon as the game starts, like the first 10 minutes happen, and then you can just literally go across the entire world. I don't think it's going to be quite like that. I, don't know. I think that the first hour is going to be a little more directed. So, what they may do is do the install enough to where you can start playing and then bring you through the very guided intro that's going to set the story up that may take a little while, and then you'll be given free range to go out once the game is finished installing. And I don't think that they developed the game with that in mind. I just think that the way the game's naturally working means that they can give the game in that way. I don't know if that is true. We will find out. Either way, I'm off Friday, so I can't wait. If you're buying digitally and you can preload, it doesn't matter. You could preload today. Yeah, that's right. There's people starting preloading right now. Today is Thursday. This is four days ago. We will see. I'm talking about four days ago for this airs. Yeah. When the stairs, yeah. Uh, so that's the uh, last thing. Uh, it looks like the Xbox One X did, or the Xbox One disc is going to include the X assets on there because it's coming in at 107. Yeah, those 4K textures are a lot. And you know what? While we're here, let's talk about the fact that the Japanese case that leaked, since we mentioned cases uh, that was shared in the Discord by Mr. Liam, if, I'm, if I remember right, uh, shows two disc for so, the Japanese release of the PS4. Somebody version. said that case is fake. Maybe. So and, I don't know I if it is or not. I did want to say it very well might be. What uh, I thought was interesting, though, and what I don't know, uh, do you know if Rockstar Games in the past, when they release overseas, do they feature voice acting in the native language? I have no because idea. Because if so, I could see the majority release, which is going to be most of, you know, going to be England. All the voice lines on one disc. Yeah, all of all of the England and most of Europe or whatever that speak English. And then um, all of, I say most of Europe, that's not really fair. But, you know, England and all those British. A Britain, chunk of like Europe. That. Yeah, big chunk. And, of course, uh, Canada and America. Uh, I think if they sell the game its natural way, they're fine. And that if they do a, J- a Japanese release, because I don't know how, I think the first game did big over there. 
Uh, but if they do that, uh, and they actually revoice it, which I think they do because they revoiced God of War over there from what I saw. Uh, so if they're doing that, that I wonder if well the Japanese be. version is that way because they include both the English and the Japanese voiceovers. Yeah, that could very well be it. And uh, they have to bump up the not, size. Yeah, if it's not fake. Now, we went into more than that, and I'm not going to go too far into this, but we also looked and see, is it two-disc naturally, and we just don't know it yet? Because if you look at Blu-ray sizes, uh, a standard Blu-ray is 25 gigs or a dual layer at, tw- at 50 gigs, and those are both pretty standard priced. Then you get into Blu-ray... Uh, uh, X, XL, yeah, which is or whatever. I think it's it's not XL. Actually, I think it's, it's XD. X, yeah, XLE uh, or XD. But anyway, it's 125 gigs. Essentially, it? you can go from three to six layers, and uh, basically the max that you can hit is between 100 gigs and 300 gigs. But the thing is, we've seen other games, uh, definitely according the world in, that have already used this dual disc method. Uh, most of the time, it's game of the year uh, versions that come with everything on the di- or everything already included in the disc. Yeah. So one disc is probably the it's original base game. Yeah. <clears throat> plus the second disc being all the game of the year content uh and then what probably happens realistically is the second disc installs the game of the year content but then you never have to put it back in i guarantee you uh all it does is checks your license on the main disc and as long as you get the main disc in you can play the base game and then after you've already installed the game of the year content you can play it just by checking what the game of the year content requires uh shadow of war uh, if you get the game of the year version it has two discs that's so weird now, I don't know for sure in, in our territory, but World Den confirmed uh, over what he's seen. That's true. Uh, now, that's weird. that is interesting to me, and I could see that being a thing, but other games like The Witcher that are Game of the Year version, and I don't quite know how the Game of the Year version for Witcher works, or sorry, the Complete Edition, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I don't know if it installs all of the DLC on the, from the disc or if the DLC is given as a download code and essentially downloads like the disc gives you a license to play all of them and it go ahead and downloads them kind of like the telltale disc does when you buy those uh the telltale disc only traditionally came with the first episode on disc and then it, the disc would be your license check so that you could download the second through fifth um episodes whenever they would inevitably release so eh, who knows interesting to see either way um and red dead is going to lead us into our main topic as we hinted at in the uh, little snippet at the beginning before the intro but Saul let's go ahead and move into reader mail sir sure thing for those that don't know reader mail is where we ask you guys to ask us questions and we provide three on the show two from Twitter one from our Facebook group every episode if you don't hear your question answered do not fret do not frown we'll answer that on the first Friday of the month in our reader mail episode can we start uh, so, doing that like a robot voice do not fret do, do not, not fret. frown do not frown boy meets bot <laughs> <laughs> I love video game high school. Oh, it's so good. But uh, so follow us on Twitter over there at Triangle SQRD and our Facebook group as well, named the same as our YouTube channel. Or no, named the same as our Twitter, technically. Yeah, Triangle uh, The PlayStation Podcast. Yeah. Uh, but first up on the list, we have Richard. He says, when you guys got your driver's license, where was the first place you went with? Uh, where was the first place you went uh, by yourself or with friends? And how did you feel? So I drove illegally for like two years. <laughs> Me too. I'm glad you said that because I was like, "Watch me be the." Don't be wrong. It's by no means an outlaw I thing. I didn't get my. I didn't get my driver's license until I was 18. Okay, I got mine when I was 16. Uh, but thing is, I was already one of those people that was younger in high school than everybody else by a year because of where my birthday fell. Uh, so with that being said, I graduated at 17 and. I needed a truck um, in the 11th grade year just to, to get around because easier and because I was trying to get a job at the point. Uh, I ended up getting a truck for free because I was mowing a dude's yard, uh, and he ended up giving me a truck. Long story, but that's the short of it. So I got a free truck, old, old Loretta, as I called her. She was big and beautiful. 
uh, among other things. But <laughs> uh, Saul's laughing because he knows. Um, I don't know. I was just going to say something. I don't think that I, I didn't think it was appropriate. Yeah, you're probably right with what you're saying there. It's just funny. <laughs> uh, but with that said, um, I got that truck and I didn't have my license yet. And basically, my mom was like, well, I can't be taking you around everywhere because I lived with my grandpa at the time anyway. Uh, but he couldn't drive me anywhere like, all the time, at least, because you know, it's kind of dangerous for him to drive at certain points because he's very old. Um, so when I was 15, uh, I was driving around with Seth. And me. I picked Seth up every morning for school. I don't know if you remember that. I, uh, I vaguely do. Yeah, I pick up Seth every day for school and then go. So honestly, I don't even remember getting my license because normally you tie that into driving by yourself. But I was driving by myself for almost a full year before I got my license. See, in mine's see in my mind, it's also kind of weird because like I, I when I got mine, I didn't. I was already driving everywhere, and like it really wasn't to like a lot of different places. Like I was driving to Gavin's house, Casey's house. I was driving to places that I already pretty much driving that old Mirage. No, no, my dad's truck. Okay. I was curious. Yeah. No, yeah. The Mirage was a piece of garbage. Um, <laughs> anyways though. Uh, okay. So big Seth got that. Do you remember that little, uh, champagne uh, Chevy he used to have? I do. So do you remember our old neighborhood? Uh, the back part of it was still in development. So it was, it was roads, but it wasn't, there's no houses. Yeah. He used, when he first got that, he used to take that out there and let me drive around that area so to, my to learn. Neighborhood. Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, gotcha. and, but, but when he got his, he would, he would eventually like, he would let me drive it when we were going places, even though I didn't have my license, but he wouldn't let me drive it like, like far, which is crazy. Cause he let me drive it to Michael's house. That's pretty far. Oh, that's far. Um, but we used to go to the circle K, up there next to Roadrunner and get like uh, full throttle engine drinks and stuff and get snacks. So, I always forget that's a Circle K. And every time I do remember it, I always think of the cereal, Bill and Ted's, <laughs> Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Oh, uh, I can't believe I forgot about that. So anyway. yeah, mine's, mine, mine's actually more related to when my friend got my license or his license, but not so much me. Hmm. Um, second up on the list, we have Corey. He says, so with mainstream bands and artists doing scores and soundtracks for video games, he says he goes on to list Doom and, of course, Skrillex working on Kingdom Hearts 3. If you could have a band or artist do a score for a soundtrack for any game series, what would it be and what game? Mm, who would it be and what game? Oh, yeah, I just blonde. So I got gotcha. you. I think I have a good one. Uh, I have one that I think is actually possible. Go ahead. Uh now, the game I'm not quite sure on, but I think that they, w- they probably won't do it, but I think it'd fit um, in terms of there's a couple of games I could see it being a potential fit for, um, but uh, Trent Reznor, Nine Inch Nails, okay. he already has done, he did uh, The Girl with the Tra- Dragon Tattoo, he's done uh, Tron, lot. I want to say, he's done, a, okay, maybe it wasn't Tron, Tron was Daft Punk. Um, yeah, Tron was Daft Punk. I can't remember. He's, Fantastic he's, album. But basically, he's done a lot of scores. I think he did Gone Girl, something like that. Uh, here's the thing, as much as I love Trent Reznor, I don't really care for movies all that much. Um, I, just, I don't have a lot of time for him, that's basically what it comes down to. But he does that. And um, here we are. Do, 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 do. I did not know that. This is interesting. I'm sorry. This is probably not making for riveting podcasting, but I'm looking up interesting stuff. Um, and it does not even show his collaborations on here. This is weird. Hmm. 
Well, we just know he, he's done a lot of stuff. What, what, what game series would you put him in charge of? I think Cyberpunk 2077 would be fitting. No, I don't think it would be fitting. I like Trent Reznor and all. I like Nine. Well, the reason lot, I say but... that is it's industrial and, and electronic heavy. And I think that if you, and definitely if you listen to the few scores he's done, and I wish I could remember him. I don't know why in my main, why my, my brain I can't seem to figure it out. But um... is it? Can I can I say a band if I exclude the vocalist? Or does it have to be? Does it have to be like with the vocalist? No, I mean, no. I think you could do it without. Uh, even though, because I mean, I would essentially say I don't know. I don't remember the band well enough to be fair either. Uh, but who was the band that uh, Sean Murray loved so much? They ended up actually doing the soundtrack, which is actually amazing soundtrack well, for No Man's Sky. Never heard of it. Uh, I don't know the band, but I, I'll give him this, man. Good for him. Dream come true. His favorite band he liked enough, and the game got big enough that not only did they play at the Game Awards alongside him whenever he was showing off stuff about the game, which, despite how the game launched, that's cool. Good for him. And then secondarily, his favorite band was able to do the soundtrack for this game. That's cool. And it's interesting because I don't feel like there's a lot of times that you see original soundtracks Mm -hmm. uh, from artists in video games. Now, of course, you see people do... um, Oh yeah, Gone Girl. He did do Gone Girl. By okay, the way. that's a fantastic movie. If you've never seen Gone Girl, and go he did watch the Social it Network. Right that's now. what it was. I knew it was something like it's something that I, in my mind didn't click. That's also a very good movie. Both those are in my top 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 ten favorite movies. Of all so time. essentially, what I mean is he's he's got the ability to be pretty broad in what he can do, and I think that putting him in something that'd be very tech heavy would be fitting. So I got two. One of which is kind of more silly than the other, but one I actually think would work out really well. So you got. Daft Punk with Destiny kind of makes a little bit of sense. Got that spacey kind of like techno-y vibes. Even though Destiny's more of a grand thing, I'm talking I'll about just a, of a general. Even uh, though you won't give me Trent Reznor on Cyberpunk, which I feel like is is an act. Trent, Re- Trent Reznor, no, no, I, I no. feel Trent, like that's Trent act. Reznor. I'm sure he could hit that like eighty '80s vaporwave style of music pretty good. But I'm just saying. I don't associate that style of music with him. And we've already heard the ooh, the crunchy, crunchy song from the trailer. I, Dude, I, I don't feel like you've listened to enough Nine Inch Nails then. No, I have. But I'm just talking about that. They don't do like that kind of techno-y stuff. Oh, dude, definitely he does. He he has and, the ability to do it. I said he, I know he has the ability and I, to do and it. I'm I mean just saying in, I, in general, I know that he has no, the I, propensity of, to write that Well, of course he has it because he's done these movies. I'm saying I don't associate that with, with what it looks like. I mean, go ahead. I, w- I want to hear yours. I'm but, just saying. But Char- I'll give you yours because I do. I, I get where you're aiming for, though I don't necessarily think it's a perfect fit either. No, but it's not I'm a perfect gonna, fit. Yeah, it'd be, it'd it be to interesting you. to see. And it would be interesting. Chon with other vocalists. Oh, okay. I dig. And The Last of Us. And The Last of Us. That that prog see, rock. This is interesting, though, because I will say this. Regardless of what you think about The Last of Us as a game, anybody, because I know some people just aren't that, that hyped on it, that game soundtrack is so fitting. It is so good. I, no, it is. There's very few games that, like, Doom is obviously a good example of where you just play it and you're like, how is the soundtrack this perfect? Yeah, Doom soundtrack, the new Doom, at least. It's I don't know about dope. the I can't remember the old one. I'm trying uh, to think of, like, what you're talking about with 80s-style songs from Nine Inch Nails. I'm not going to say 80s-style songs, but highly techno-y, because even... Well, what I'm, we talking heard, about, I'm talking about the, even a what we vaporwave heard, style of techno. Yeah, even, even what we heard in Cyberpunk... I don't consider that to be quite as vaporwave as like apparently what you think vaporwave is, and what you've shown me of vaporwave is not eighties. No, I'm just that's that's say. that's the uh, even okay, though I know where yeah, you're it is. Going. It, it certainly is eighties. If you depending on the right artist, you find. 
But I'm talking about if I'm you said Trent more, Reznor and you said that song, I would not think they're similar. I'm yeah, no, I would never say what song. Sorry. The oh, Cyberpunk yeah, song. The, the song from Cyberpunk. I, I, I won't say he can't. I know he's a very talented man. I know he can do something like it, but I'm just saying off the top. Like, you don't see Chon and think Dance Gavin Dance. I mean, not Dance Gavin Dance. Uh, the Last of Us. Yeah, you don't. Say, but I think that'd be pretty pretty cool. Be interesting. Dope. Yeah. You know what I actually think? Cause, might, cause especially some, like, slow Chon songs. You know what would be interesting? <laughs> it's going to sound weird. Uh, because they normally don't have a vocalist. So I actually think that they would fit in a number of reasons. I, I think that doing a game like The Last of Us with something a little more like... Don't say Intervals. No, even okay. though that would be interesting. No, it but like it would not be good. It would be interesting. Yeah, it'd be like uh, one of those FMVs. No, Apocalyptica. You remember them? Yeah, that's a long time ago. I mean, they still do stuff. I know they do. But they, they also incorporate a lot of classical instruments. Of course they do. They, so they, they have like a violinist. And a, I'm pretty sure they have somebody playing... Uh, they have violin for sure. Mm-hmm. Piano cello. for sure. And I was going to say cello. I didn't know for sure if they have cello or not. Yeah, they do. Okay. So I don't know. That, that'd be one of those interesting things. I feel like a lot of the music I like wouldn't be that... <sighs> okay, it sounds a little bit weird. Well, a lot of music we like won't fit into these kind of games. Well, some we of it like. would without vocalists, right? Because without vocalists. I actually think that a lot of the soundscapes that Hotel Books makes can make for killer background music. And I know you don't like Hotel Books because of the singing, but I don't know how much you've listened to definitely the songs that he uses that are more soundscape-based, where it's like there's stuff going on, but it's not as song structured it's more the vocals tied to the structure but the other sounds back there they support it and i think that'd be interesting for over and under or under certain dialogue and stuff in games i think it would actually make good soundtrack music dang um, why could i just gone the easy route godsmack and prince of persia Bam. i mean yeah but i was i was thinking i could have just literally said some 41 in any madden game it would have been perfect considering they've been in madden games yeah but that's a custom soundtrack i don't really that's not a custom thing. soundtrack uh, in the Ma- oh, I mean, the Madden games have a EA Tracks playlist. Right oh, there. I thought you meant like, okay, I hear you're I'm talking about like, a, I'm, you I'm, meant like I'm talking putting... about a band working. So when I say that, I mean like, if you want to say Sum 41 make makes an original soundtrack. Go to play football. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Go to score the goal. We spent far too long on we this did. question. We did. Last oh, question. You, though. It's a good question. Yeah, it was a good question. I feel like I'm going to end up thinking of some crap and be like, why didn't I think about that? Um, but that's okay. Last question for this uh, this episode, we have Corey's lover Kiki. He says, "Do you ever do you, do you ever play MMO games as a different gender than your own? If no, why not? What are you feeling about those who do? If you do, why?" He goes on to say, "For me, the female character typically has more aesthetic options when creating your character um, and better armor." So I think I've touched on this before in the past. Uh, I like to create what I'm envisioning myself in that game. So you naturally would stray away from women because you don't. I, I'm not a yeah. Yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a man. So so you like to play the thing of like, essentially creating yourself in the game world to the or what you would like to imagine yourself especially in especially MMOs. World. Yeah. So like, and it gets kind of crazy. Obviously, when you choose a different race in like Final Fantasy 14, and I'm not a dragon race. Mm-hmm. I can't think of what they're called right now. Um, but like in Destiny 2, do you do the same thing as me? Do you do the little what? Are, I can't remember what they're called, but the robot people. Exos. Yeah, Exos. I, I have two Exos and a human. Yeah, the Exos are cool. Yeah, they are. Um, and I kind of just pictured in my head, like my head cannon from my Exo is that my thoughts and stuff were downloaded into this Exo body before this all happened. Then it died, and then go survive. I know you're you're very much into the idea of role yeah. playing your character. So, so I get that. I and that's what but I. But it's interesting that you want to role play your characters based off of how you envision yourself. Yeah, it's just kind of like, what would I do in this yeah, it's situation? It's not that weird, but... And, like, especially in Skyrim. Like, Skyrim is the one where I've kind of changed things up more often. I actually have created two female characters in Skyrim. Um, but I do typically just make a male, just because that's what I am. That's I picture myself. 
Yeah, I want to broaden it out just from MMOs because I don't play a lot of MMOs anyway. And there's a lot of games that let you make your own character. Uh, Monster Hunter World, perfect example. You could make a, you could make a female in Monster Hunter World. Um, but I want to say this. I I think I've probably said on this podcast before. I'm almost certain I have. I don't understand the big move toward wanting to make your own character so bad. No, I know. Yeah, you have said that a lot. That's something we definitely agree disagree with on. I know. And I, for and me, I, for me, no matter what, if like so, it's it, but that's my reasoning. Is all yeah. I'm getting into. No, I don't make female characters, but that's also because I don't spend time making a character because I think it's a waste of my time. Uh, because any game that has you just playing as whatever, ninety nine percent of the time you don't see your character anyway. Uh, Skyrim is a perfect example of that. Uh, and I spend just a little bit of time still like being a dark elf. That's about as far as I go. I'm like, oh, I'm going to be a dark elf, and that's actually primarily because I liked Morrowind so much. And Morrowind starts you as a dark elf on on basic your character comes out and the pre-rendered one is a dark elf and it's in Morrowind so it feels right to do that so I kind of just do it more it's a high elf in Skyrim it felt extra right I was an imperial in Oblivion yeah see that's what I mean so I don't I don't do that but I end up basically because my starting point was Morrowind and I love the game so much that I basically do it as like part nostalgia part tradition um, at this point Uh, but also the fact that there's of course uh I don't. When, when you're making a character, I I don't understand the people that literally waste thirty minutes to an hour, and I don't mean waste in a bad sense. Like, like for me, it would be wasting. For you, if it helps your enjoyment of the game, awesome. Uh, but I don't understand spending. I'm gonna choose that word then. Thirty minutes to an hour, sometimes more, making sure that your character looks exactly like you want them to look. I don't think I've ever spent that much. Bloodborne? I, I you never, think I'm kidding? Bloodborne? I hit start. And whatever character gave me, I hit continue. Bloodborne, I actually did like change the hairstyle, put a beard on him, and put the little Harry Potter glasses, and I was done. That was it. It just it feels so pointless. See, like Dark Souls games, like those are the ones that like I'll create my character, but it will take me less than ten like ten seconds to create. Yeah. See, I don't I just, I don't see that. Even on Monster Hunter World, I didn't care what my character looked no, like. No, see, I cared in Monster Hunter World. I actually really Definitely because ninety percent of the armor in Monster Hunter World covers you. To like a point where you wouldn't recognize that you built that character anyway. Yeah, but there's um, always that time you'll throw on a helmet and you're like, oh, that's the default character. But I'm also the weird person who I would almost prefer, and in a, in a game like Monster Hunter World and the way it's set up, it works out regardless. Uh, just because of how they chose to write the story in a sense that it works for everybody, I would have liked to see, not saying that it would have been better, just interesting, in a in a alternate reality, what a Monster Hunter World game would be like that was character-driven. Um I don't necessarily know that. Isn't that what the 3DS one was? What do you mean? The Adventures one? Yeah. What? The one that had. um, That was more Pokemon like? The tie ins. Was it a Zelda tie in? There's one on 3DS that everybody raved about that was really good. I think it had the same character. I think it was. uh, Stories, right? Or Adventures or something like that. Monster Hunter World, Monster Hunter Stories, something like that. I think it was Stories. Regardless, it's a Pokemon style Monster Hunter game. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's actually an interesting game. It's on phones. It's what Richard was talking about. Yeah, that is what he was talking about. Boy, and like the the, the art choice of that game looks really yeah. cool. Yeah, uh, so yeah, that may be an example of that. But Monster Hunter World in the skate in, in the shape that it is, is I would like to see what it would be like as a character driven game. Uh, maybe even in the sense of like Pokemon, right? Even though Pokemon started getting to a point where you were kind of creating your character. Um, I really hope this comes to Switch. That was cool. Though I never ended up changing that because I liked that in like Pokemon, you were either the boy and you were. I love the fact that you could change your character in Pokemon. Now, I will say this. Oddly enough, because of the way of the game, even though I normally don't, I actually did. For, more because I was reveling in the fact that Pokemon was finally in 3D. And X and Y, I actually spent time screwing around with what my character looked like. It's so cool. Yeah. yeah. It was and an I interesting ho- feature, the, but I didn't miss it. 
either yeah. in uh, Oros. It so, was technically there, just a very, very low, low in comparison. I don't remember it being there at all, but either way, it shows that I didn't care about it. So I, that's basically my stance on it. But sure. I, and I, mean, I don't, and I don't have a problem with people. I don't who have a problem to. with it either. Blaze yeah. makes a female every time. And some people do like. Some people will say like, "I don't want to be scared of a dude's butt all the time." I'm a dude. Like, okay. First of all, why are you staring at your character's butt? <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, because. Staring, hold on, looking at your character's point of view is not the same as staring at your character's butt. If you are literally taking your time to focus on your character's butt, you probably need to get some stuff out. Um, so uh, That's problems we can't help you with. Yeah, it's problems we can't help you with. But you, maybe you, find a friend. I don't care what it is. I mean, if you, uh, why are you just looking at this game? Unless that's why you bought the game. If you bought the game to look at that character's butt, then by damn it, you do it. Yeah, make it juicy and thick. <laughs> Anyways, on to our main topic of the show. <laughs> where we talk about Red Dead Redemption and their evil, evil, evil warehouse workings of 600 hours a week and hyperbole, dumb crap going on. All right, so yeah, uh, we actually had, so this kind of comes, I already wanted to talk about it, uh, but this comes from Josh Shoot. Shout out, Josh. Good um, shout out to our boy. What he mentioned, he, he messaged me the other day. Uh, and asked when we posted the, when we recorded the new episode, because he wanted to see about getting this squeezed in. Um, but basically, he was talking about the fact that over the past week, we saw an interview that happened with uh, Hauser, which is uh, the uh, one of the Sam. founders of huh Sam Sam yeah. Uh, but one of the founders of Rockstar, if I recall right, and he's like a head writer on all the games, uh, or at least on, on most of the games. So when you look at that, he in an interview went on and said uh, vaguely because I know that he didn't he wasn't in his mind he was intending it to be meaning towards something right but basically and this is paraphrasing he said that they that uh, oh you know we were working 100 hour weeks uh, going into Red Dead and he actually in a way they did blow it out because he did specifically say 100 hour weeks going into pre-production in terms of like getting the script right so that they wouldn't because he even mentioned not wanting to waste money and time once the actors were in there. So they wanted a tight script. They knew they didn't want to change. They wanted to have everybody kind of choreographed to where they knew what they needed to do so they could be the most efficient of the time they had with the actors because voice acting and mocap is very expensive. Yeah. Um, so when you think about it that way and you really look at what that is, he already framed it with enough information you know that when he goes, that, oh, okay, he wasn't saying that three to five of these seven years was 100-hour work weeks, uh, first of all. That's the first thing. But then, of course, this blew up. Everybody started saying, and, and, and it was half and half, right? You had the first half where people were like, oh, my God, they were working 100-hour work weeks. This game's going to be amazing. Then you had the flip side, and I understand the sentiment behind it, truly, I do, uh, of, oh, why is the games industry pushing these 100-hour work weeks on these developers, taking time away from their family, which, trust me, I have a family, and I work. And I don't like that I work as much as I do. And I work for 46 to 48 hours, typically. And I'm a cat dad now, so I have a family. <laughs> yeah. I got a big family for counting pets. Uh, but point being, I get that. Taking time away from their family, uh, exacerbating their, mis their mental health and, and its decline, uh, sleep-depriving them potentially, giving them no chance to have a life outside of literally game developing, coming home. I get the concern. I do. But this is also another example of outrage culture. And this truly is taking something with very, very little information and creating a narrative out of it because I don't want to... I really don't mean this in a bad way, but this is... I hate when people use this word, but 
trying to think of a way around it. But you're trying so hard to do a good thing for other people that you're creating something out of nothing almost. Now, of course, the reason you know that's true is because when Sam came back and clarified because of the fact that it was misconstrued in this sense. Uh, now, I don't want to say that it was reported in a negative way. It was just obvious that the way that he had said it was a little too vague to where you had wiggle room to think he meant everybody. But he came back and he said, just to clarify, it was me and three other writers. And for a three-week three, three week period, we worked on average 100-hour weeks to make sure that we got this done. It was only them, and it was voluntary on their part. They said that they normally do this as a way to like crunch down and, and make sure that the script is at its best so they don't waste money and time. Now, that is somebody who obviously cares about their work and wants to make sure that when they go in that it doesn't hurt that he's a founder in terms of the, the devil's advocate thing. So do y'all know, how much, y'all know how much Grand Theft Auto five made on launch? If yeah. y'all think, if y'all think for one second, I wouldn't work a hundred hour week here and there to make them bucks. You are True, wrong, but we'll get into that in a second. Uh, so to kind of finish out where the story goes and then we'll kind of expound on what our thoughts are, thoughts are on everything. Uh, but, uh, so he, he he came in, he clarified, he said it was just a three-week period where we worked around 100 hours a week, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less, for three weeks, and it was just him. So four employees that chose to do so. Um, and, of course, this got kind of spun, too, in a negative light because people were saying, uh, I saw this a lot, the age-old, and I'm not saying it's false, I don't know, but we definitely know now, without a shadow of a doubt, but at the time, uh, he was saying the age-old... Um, guilt trip of saying, oh, well, I worked 100-hour weeks because I just wanted to. Why aren't you doing it? I don't quite agree with that sentiment, though it could be potentially true. I just I don't think that that was the tactic they were trying to employ. Uh, but outside of that, uh, it, it continued to go on where people just were kind of ignoring the fact that he clarified and saying that it was just spin on Rockstar, uh, trying to clarify and shore it up so that people wouldn't get outraged about it and lose sales potentially or lose orders and create more controversy. So instead what ends up happening, Rockstar actually in a somewhat unprecedented move says we're going to let employees speak of their own volition. Yeah. They actually lifted a, uh, an already banned thing they have. They have a company policy where rock stars cannot, uh, Rockstar employees cannot go onto social media and talk about their job, and they lifted that. Yeah, That's, this is big. This means that they're not trying to hide anything. Yeah, and so the, and they went in. And they it would said, just take hey, one person to work. Here it you off. are. No, f- and of course you could again. You could say that you could go in and go. The company could come in and go. No fear of firing. Get on there. Say what you want to say. Uh, if you feel like you've been wrong, tell them. If you don't feel like you've been wrong, tell them. Whatever then, of course, the people could say, well, the implication that you'd get fired if you said something bad is there. So it doesn't matter if they're telling you to be open. You'd be scared to say something and, and the fact that you might get fired. It makes you wonder how many employees they have. Now, of course, that's possible, right? But I don't, again, you think of a company like Rockstar. I think two things are true. You don't get as big as Rockstar without having great employees, and, and you don't keep great employees by treating them poorly. Yeah, I mean, then that's what I was talking about. Is like When you think about the amount of money they had, for you to be pushed to your limits for a hundred hours a week on average for just say 10 weeks out of the year, that's still, that's one fifth of the year you work a hundred hour weeks. Would you keep that job? Probably not. If I worked 10 hours, I mean a hundred hour weeks for 10 weeks. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's rough. You'd probably, you'd be, you'd consider not that money would have to be there mm-hmm. and it'd have to be consistent. But the thing is, is that this is not something that is like a thing. This is something that has happened. Like they said, two or three of the leads uh, very Often rarely doing it on their own. Yeah. Um, 
And people got to realize there is federal and state work laws that prohibit this. This is not something that's going on so well. Yeah, there, there is to an extent. You can kind of do it because these are salary employees. Uh, so you and so you get away with not the reason that they basically do that is a salary employee. So if you push what their work week is, even by ten hours, I highly, you're squeezing ten I more hours. I every one of their aren't. employees though on the team salary. Oh, I actually think they are because it's, it's the way that they contract it out. Uh, they basically have a budget for the team of what it is, and then the team gets See, a I salary think, baker broker. Now I'm sure that there's some contracted, contracted workers. That's all I was saying. I was thinking contracted, but I didn't think they would sat, they put those contracted workers on salary. Probably not contracted, but I don't think that they employ it. To be fair, we don't know that much about games. Yeah, this is all. Yeah. This is speculation in this particular aspect. Right. Um, but you know what? Before we go there, I do want to finish saying that the what it ended up with in the, in the employees coming out on their own is there's been an outpour of employees from Rockstar saying that they have never been treated poorly. It's a great place to work, uh, that they typically work uh, 40 to at most 50-hour weeks, and that's not even that common, that if they stay over, it's typically because they were asked very nicely to do so but are not enforced to. They're just asked, hey, we have this to get done. Can you please stay? Uh, and, if, and they have the ability to say no and opt out if they, if they do stay. They're, they're respected for it. Uh, and to me, those are signs of a company that obviously cares about its employees of and course. doesn't want to push anything on them. Of course. Now, before we go too much farther, actually, no, you know, let's, let's break that down. So we've already said a couple things. Obviously, we think, and I think we're both in agreement, of Rockstar is a huge company that's very successful, and, and they're successful for a reason, which I think we both can agree that it's decently obvious that they make great games by having great and really interesting employees. Right. And the flip side of having interesting and, and good employees and very creative employees is that you have to keep those kind of people around and keep fostering it to bring new people in. And two things I think are highly true. I don't think you're going to continue to bring new people in if if people know and it's constantly heard throughout the industry that you're a bad place to work for. Yeah, right. I was going to say the industry could be just one big rumor mill and, and you're people not gonna, would know that. Yeah, and you're not going to keep people... Uh, Especially for a very senior, long time. senior developers yeah. on the team. You yeah, you're not going to keep people like that for a long time if you're a poor place to work for. Think of it this way. If this happened... This is probably not the first time this has happened. What was the next big game that last came out by them? GTA Five. Yeah, I guarantee. And you they've been working on this game for seven years. Just to clarify. Yeah. So this has actually been going on uh, since 2011. Eleven. I guarantee you that people who have developed this game helped develop Grand Theft Auto Five. Probably. Would they still be there if shifting. this was completely true? Yeah. Yeah. Now, like we said, leads, maybe, rarely, sure, they've admitted to it. Random game devs that are just helping out with the sound design, texture design. Mm-hmm. Absolutely people not. People on the, on the standard team. Absolutely not. Now, of course, people say that sometimes there is like some short periods where they're trying to get one thing figured oh, yeah, out. Yeah, deadlines, deadlines happen. You know. Yeah, I, they, do. they we, do. We talked about it before we start. So I'm scheduled 45 hours. Sometimes I work a little bit under 50. Sometimes I work 60 when people are on vacation. It happens. Yeah, I've worked a 15-hour day one day. Yeah, it's uh, very rare. Installing crap. And I'm not even supposed to be installing. Yeah. Uh, but stuff happens and you yeah. end up having to do it it's and you know it's part of having a job it sucked but I was compensated it's part of the adult world I think a lot of these people complaining don't realize there is that such thing yeah I think it is interesting though because of the the, the flip side playing devil's advocate again uh, is that there are devs that experience this in a very negative sense and it does happen we are talking about Rockstar too yeah. In that instance, now we can talk about yeah. other. So now we're gonna we're gonna spread out into a little bit more and, and across the industry as a whole. So we know that there have been plenty of game devs that have this problem, uh, and it typically comes from different developers and different publishers. Again, this is not something we've heard from Rockstar a lot. We have heard about it in the past, but it seems like Rock and this has been a long time ago. It seems like Rockstar has done active things to prevent that from happening. 
Uh, and that's good because there was some talk about Red Dead Redemption 1 having some weird, weird crunch periods. Uh, and they actively avoided that apparently throughout Grand Theft Auto 5. And it seems like they're, uh, again, from what we're hearing across the board from uh, employees, is that they, inv- they have managed to avoid that uh, in Red Dead Redemption 2's development cycle as well. So when you look at those games, and it says a lot, the only three games they've released since 2010, uh, well, I guess L.A. Noir. But that was technically outward. That was just published. I'm trying to think of what games. What? Like, what, Max Payne 3. When did Max Payne 3 come? 2011? I'm trying to think of what games. Didn't they LA made. Noir come out in 2008? No, I don't think so. I think it was 2000, 2012 for Max Payne. And then LA Noir was 2011. Um, wow, I thought that game was older than what it was. No, it's too good of looking of a game for to be that old. Um, anyway, with that being said, my point is. Um, Technically wrong because Salt is right in the fact that the only game that they've put out since Grand Theft, or the only game they put out before this has been Grand Theft Auto. So they did a five-year period with no releases, which is interesting for them uh, as a company that used to put out a bunch of games. Um, but it seems like that's part of it too. So I think we're seeing it in the time that it takes for them to get a game out. That's probably also part of opting out of trying to push the employees so hard of their grinding to get games out on a different schedule. Um, but I think across the industry, you hear things about it, but what I also want to talk about is, um, or do you want to expand on that anymore? I think, I mean, we see, I, I want to talk about people's opinions on it, I guess. So, you know, when you look around the, the Twitter sphere and social media, which is always a weird place to look because there's a lot of, there's a lot of different people coming in and attacking and being very quick to judge and not looking at every side of it. And some people, discounting it too quickly and some people reinforcing it too quickly. And, uh, you know, I saw examples of people saying, uh, there's crunch, uh, all the, uh, you know, some people were like, no, they can't do that. They only work 40 hours because there's uh, a law about it. Right. And then somebody else is like, you apparently never worked an it job or game development. And that's true. I know people that work in IT, and sometimes in IT, you have to work a lot. You're on call a lot, And you're on call. So you do have to do some crunch stuff to make sure that stuff gets handled and done. Not always in long periods. Uh, Coding can definitely be pretty stressful in that sense, too. Uh, So, yeah, a lot of the more tech industry side of things can be very grindy. Uh, So you have both sides, though. You have the people who are immediately thinking, well, you don't know. All game development is this, and this is just a problem. Then you have the people who are saying, well, no, they, it's, it's impossible. That's being a little too ignorant. Of course, it's something that can happen. And of course, it is something that happens. But I don't think it's always bad. And I want to use that if you don't have anything else to talk about in this particular regard. Not towards Rockstar, at least. Okay, yeah. Um, what I wanted to bring up is the fact that the flip side of, of everything we just talked about is instead, what about companies who are known and have a reputation for embracing crunch in a positive light. And what I talked about very, very loosely before we started, uh, when you were, we were talking about the topic just a little bit, uh, to see what we were going to talk about today. Um, we talked about the fact that there are studios like uh, naughty dog who are just known across the industry for having groups of people that actively embrace crunch and enjoy it. Um, this isn't a joke, but, um, insomniac also, is uh, reported their employees are very happy and they don't have to end up pulling lots of doubles and stuff. You would think for a studio for in, called Insomniac would be the exact <laughs> opposite. And I told you this is not a joke. That's actually true. Um, yeah. Anyway, so the, the flip of this is that they're all... All studios seem to be working to try and make it better. Uh, we, saw, we, we saw talks from... Uh, 
different things that Amy Hennig was saying whenever uh, involving her leaving of Uncharted Four uh, from Uncharted Four as a as a head on that. Uh, some of it came. Uh, some of it was down to that, and then of course when they flipped her off, uh, <laughs> you know when they moved her off the project and let go of her. And instead, they moved into having uh, Bruce and Neil take over. Um, Bruce and Neil ended up having to crunch to make Uncharted 4 because they had just come off The Last of Us. Uh, so when you think about how those things work out, they didn't even get to take a typical break. Instead, they'd directly move in, and they were asked to do it and, and try and shepherd in new people. And instead, they decided that they were going to go ahead and take it under and do the whole game themselves. Um those are examples of, of studios and companies who have this thing where this isn't me necessarily justifying it. This is just saying a the truth. There are people who out there who are creators who they embrace the crunch on their own because they creatively thrive in it because it's a hunger in them. And you can see it when you look at certain uh, 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 Naughty Dog videos, definitely like the making of Uncharted 4. You can see where people are like painstakingly going over and over looking at like uh, Drake's hand texture and how it's going to move when the things finger go print down. lining up. Just yeah, right. where the fingerprint goes, uh, where he has dimples in his face, and how that's going to change, and where that's going to roll, uh, how destructible things are going to be, and if they're going to make everything destructible, and they want everything to be destructible, so they're over here painstakingly making sure that everything is destructible in a way that looks and feels realistic, and not like it's just, oh, well, this is procedural in the sense of like you shoot and it just kind of randomly does something instead they want everything to have a realistic backing to it and basically you hear this across the board with with companies like naughty dog who up until uncharted 4 had put out a game every two years since the start of their company minimum sometimes even less than that crash team racing was released a year after crash bandicoot 3 uh, if I'm not mistaken. So when you think about things like that, they were able to make a racing game a year after. They are known for embracing that. Uh, in the time in between on, uh, Jack and Daxter 3, or Jack 3, and Uncharted uh, 1, they had Jack X Combat Racing. Uh, so again, these are a company that constantly keeps themselves on a release schedule that they've managed to keep up until now, uh, which even then, depending on when The Last of Us goes, it seems like they've moved more to a three-year three, development four, cycle, yeah. which is not bad either, um, across this kind of double-team thing that they're doing. But games are also bigger and a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, but when you think about it that way, this Much is... Bigger. This is a team that's always known what it's like to, to crunch, and they've always done so. And they've not always been so lucky as to have the ability to go away from that. Now, of course, it seems like they're getting more and more time now, and I think that that also comes as a nature of them being them becoming more and more of a, uh, a spearhead studio for Sony. Uh, you know when you get a Naughty Dog game, Sony knows it's going to sell. Naughty Dog, you know it's going to be a quality-made game even if you don't enjoy it. Right. You know, it's going to push the graphical boundaries. It's going to push boundaries of voice action and mo-capture mo performance in general. Uh, you look at these things, it's like, okay, they're doing stuff that even if I don't enjoy the game, they're progressing the medium forward in some shape and form. Uh, and that comes from people who are willing to crunch, in my opinion. And then when you hear them talk, it comes from their opinion as well. Well, yeah, there, there's. I, I work with a girl who is like two years older than me. And she wants to work 50 hour work weeks. Like we have to constantly tell her stop with the overtime because she, and she lives like 45 minutes away. There's just some people out there who thrive on this kind of stuff, who wants them, who cares the most about the money and they put their well being behind them. And it's like that in the pharmacy I work at. It's like that at probably your job. It's like that at every, every job. There are just people in the world who want to do that. There are. And it's, it's just a very strong and, People look at it as crazy, but in reality, it's just a very strong and different work ethic. 
and it's not it's more than a work ethic almost because it it's moves, almost like a way of of work like of life almost in a way it moves past work because you know one of the things i i see i think what happens in this situation is that there are people that look at these jobs as just a job now of course these are creative individuals and they care about what they're doing to some extent but some right. of them view it in such a way that they enjoy what they're doing and they're glad they're doing it but they're also like i am able to put this down Go home and live a life outside of this. Uh, and then there are people that go, no, making games is not my job. Making games is my... It's me. It's me. It's everything about yeah. me. It's, it's, it, it's my essence. I enjoy creating so much. That this is who I am. Yeah, that this, this is I, need I this. feel home. Yeah, these yeah, are like people. These are like people who are comedians, right? Let's just talk about other industries real quick. These are like uh, comedians who... Uh, go and they go for a year and they write an hour worth of material and then as soon as that, as soon as they get that special recorded and the hours perfected and they get that special out there, they immediately go home and start just sitting for hours upon hours, constantly trying to write and get that perfect thing. These are people who write a movie, put a movie out, and then immediately go home and start writing their next script. These are people that write music and spend day in and day out and nights. I'm glad you said that and, and, and writing lyrics. And I've been part of that, you know? Yeah. So like the, the hundred hour work week also people think like, Oh, I'm going to work and I'm clocking in and I'm here for, you know, 15 hours a day for no, you'd be 14 hours a day for seven days seven a days. week. Yeah. If you were to hit that, um, Oh, I was thinking 15 for seven. I'm like, nope, something's off there. But you also got to realize that a lot of these people go home and they're still on their laptops writing and they're on their computers at home and stuff too. People like, I think that's a little overlooked. That maybe some of this stuff always. is done at home. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. It doesn't excuse. And the, it doesn't, said, it this doesn't, isn't us defending it doesn't, anything. This yeah. is us just talking about the fact that these are things that do happen. It Some people excuse. continue to work at home. Seth yeah. is like that. Seth used to have to do extra work. Uh, yeah, I think that at home. I do think that there was a little bit of ways around that. Oh, well, maybe so, but I do remember he wasn't really paid for that. No, he was. Oh, he was. Yeah, but he had the longest time. But okay. he was. Um, I would have told like, nope, can't do it. And that's and see, that's where I'm different. Like for me, I value my personal time way more than money. Like to me, I know. I I am one that's like, hey, do you want to stay for two hours? And I'm like, well. My watch is vibrated, but it's in airplane mode. Weird. Um, but for me, it's more of like. Two hours of work time for extra money or two hours of going home and playing a game or relax on the couch. I'm going to pick the couch every time. It's because I, I am much, it's much more personable to me. And it's more of a, like, what am I going to buy with just these two hours? And you think about it, you're like, well, if you do the two hours here, two hours there, two hours there, next paycheck is this much bigger. I'm like, yeah, but if you don't do that, and it's just these two hours. I think I'd rather have had more of an experience at home. And the experience mm-hmm. is what ends up being more important to me. And I think that's a mixture of that me and you both work jobs that we're not just uh we're not super, scraping by. I guess. Well, no, no, I don't even mean that. I think me and you both work jobs that we are not head over heels for. These are not passion jobs. This These are jobs work. as a mean to an end. Yeah, this is um, work career. Now, of course, we make decent money. Both of us do. But it's outside of that. And that's why I say these people who... These people yeah, who are game developers are really making decent money. Yeah, these well, the, well these some of them are, some of them aren't. Uh, but more importantly, it's just... Most of them. It's one of those yeah. things where definitely if you work at Rockstar, you're probably making pretty good money. That, that's what I'm inferring. <clears throat> that's who, yeah. But, okay, but my point is, like, these people who... Uh, th- this dude at, uh, at, at Naughty Dog who's making this game this certain way, in his mind, it's not even about the money. He's obviously there because he's making enough money to live, but he's staying not because he's like, oh, I'm going to get more money because let's just say he has salary, right? And I'm, I'm sure he probably is. It's not about that. For him, it's about this product that he gets to put out and go, you know what? This game is that much better because I did this. 
And I think that that's something that a lot of people, I get that people go, well, you shouldn't force that on everyone else then. And it shouldn't come down to that. And not everyone should embrace that. And I would agree. And I think where I kind of land on this is, is a very split between two things. I don't think, I think two things should happen. I do think steps should be taken to make sure that companies aren't forcing or very heavily implying that people need to do this yes. or fear their job. It should That's be absolutely true. It should be almost a volunteer style where, Hey, you know, guys, I'm about to go home. Oh, cool. I'll stay for an hour every day or something or three or four hours. But like, oh, okay, cool. Instead of, all right, guys, I'm going home. Are you done? No, stay for four hours. It much be, it, it's much more better when you look at it as more volunteer, not even volunteer work. Cause that implies you're getting unpaid. But, um, well, volunteered as if you choose to stay, yeah, that you're doing so out of your own volition. Yes, because um, I guarantee because you, you chose to, to take that path. And I think that there's a lot of things. So I would agree with you in that sense, right? There's a difference between forced and, and, and discussed, right? So if you go and you go, hey, guys, we have this deadline. I need these four people and these four people and these four people in these three different groups. Or just have the whole team to stay. And I'm yeah, going whatever home. it be, whatever it be. Uh, but hey, we got this deadline. I, and I th- some of it does come from like the I'm staying. So I need all you to stay too. Uh, that happens. I'm sure. But the other side of that is I think if it's discussed ahead of time and go, look, guys, we got a deadline. Uh, we have two weeks before we have to hit it. Uh, it would probably be beneficial if we can get a group of people to rotate out and stay uh, two hours extra every day and then rotate the weeks out of who stays. That way it's a little more dispersed across us so it's that we more, can try and hit this deadline. Yeah. And then if everybody goes, yeah, you know what? I get it. We know we got to get this done. It helps secure our job and future jobs. And it, 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 and it's still fair to us in that we're getting to discuss it beforehand. We can opt out, and uh, it's, it's not. It's fair in the sense that we're rotating. Yeah, out. I was gonna say it's not not fair. Now that's just a that's just an example. I'm not saying that has to happen, but that's a, that's a very different thing. So I think that's one thing. Of course, I would encourage that because I think sometimes you do have to stay and get stuff done. That happens in my job. That sometimes happens in my we job. have to stay over and finish and install this. It has to be done. Yeah, uh, deadlines exist in every job, <laughs> and sometimes we have. Uh, jobs that are so big that we spent uh, three weeks at a brand new school here. And every day we were there from seven o'clock until six o'clock. So we were staying an hour later every day. And when we did so, that yeah. for three Ten weeks and, and, had, and had to do 30 minute lunches the whole time. And a lot of times people oh, yeah, were having to eat there. get hour lunches. Yeah. So, but my point being is that Lucky. people were having to make a lot of sacrifices to do that for three weeks. And we, ahead of time, we told them, Hey, this is what has to be done. If you have to do something, we can't make you stay, but uh, we paid for their lunches uh, whenever they had to stay for 30-minute lunches, or for some reason we had to squeeze that much more out. We'd offer them and say, hey, you can go to lunch if you have to. That's something we, we, we should be against, 30-minute lunches. Oh, yeah, I agree. That should never be a thing in the workplace. There's nowhere to go. And I, I work on one of the busiest streets in town. There's all these places to go to. I cannot go to a place and make it back and eat my lunch in time in mm-hmm. for 30 minutes. Let alone if you have something else you need to do, but this isn't, we're not going to get that. Yeah. So if you, if you need to go renew your license, you might as well take some hours off. Yeah. Um, trust me, I know about that problem, even though I got an hour lunch, so thankfully. Uh, but, you know, I think that there's that, and then I think the flip side is, is that I don't think that crunch needs to be suppressed in such a way that people who enjoy it and thrive in it aren't allowed to do so. Yeah, because that's where I would certainly say. one of people people I, who want to do that. I think that there's a very clear and reasonable answer to this, and I think we're moving toward that. And I think that by people talking about this, it creates a good dialogue in the sense that it does get people thinking about it, but I think people do need to calm down and look at all the facts and actually discuss like 
hey, first of all, let's talk to the developers. Let's find out what's actually going on with them. You know, let's try and get some more information uh, from either Rockstar, if, if their employees aren't supposed to talk about it, or in this case where Rockstar said, you know what, go ahead, talk about it. Um, that's awesome. I'm I, glad they did I that. I think the telling is that they were that confidence opened the floodgates. And quickly. Because, well, people, they, people can think like, oh, well, if I say something bad, I'm going to get fired. Yeah, but they're still, where's the one person that didn't care they're going to get fired? Yeah, and there's some. If it was truly that bad, someone would speak. Somebody up. would speak up. At um, least one person, definitely with a developer that big. And when you think about it too, if somebody speaks up and then they get fired a week later, do you really think that Rockstar is going to take that chance of firing that person and oh, then, yeah, then potentially going public again? Yeah. No. This I think got blown out of proportion. And while it's stuff I don't agree with, if it's true in certain parts, there's other certain parts that are true. What do you guys think? Do you guys want to work 100 hour work weeks? But what? It, what do you? What do you? But do you want to? I don't know what I'm saying here. I'm getting a little sleepy. I don't know. What you I'm want. glad I got this way towards Look, the end of this. This is what I'm gonna say. What are your thoughts on crunch time? Do you agree that the people who thrive and enjoy crunching should have the ability to do so? Do you think that there shouldn't be steps taken forward to make sure that nobody has to do that and enforce that employees only work a max of 50 hour weeks? Um, you know, is that something you'd like to see? I know that one of the common things that I see uh, is that people go, well, just they should have just delayed the game six more months and let them go home early. I would have rather had the game later and make sure that they were okay. And you know what? That's awesome. That's being nice and good to other humans. I love that. But what about the one person who goes, I need this. I don't want to go home until I am satisfied. Be excellent I don't. to another. <laughs> we're bringing speaking Bill and Ted Bell, back. Yeah, speaking of Bill and Ted. Yeah, that is being excellent to one another. Uh, but, you know, the thing is, I think you need to let some choice be involved. So I think that we are already seeing that going down. So do you agree? Do you think that we're seeing the steps that are being taken in the right direction, as we're seeing from companies like Naughty Dog even talking about improving those environments so that people don't feel like they're forced to do it, even though they have a high percentage of employees who opt into doing it? Um making sure that they don't feel like they have to do that. That way they're, they're not just being pressured in. Uh, do you feel like they should, like I said, make it to where you can't if you want to? Uh, let, me, let me know your thoughts in general. What did you think about this thing in general? Do you feel like it was outrage culture blowing up a little bit too quickly, which has been a problem as of late? Uh, do you feel like people, even after the information came out that basically, is, you know, it, you got to say expunged? Are you getting sleepy here? No, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of like it basically put Rockstar – off of the chopping block, in my opinion. Enough information came out to say, okay, Rockstar is obviously not guilty in this situation. Yeah. Um, do you feel like the fact that people are still going on about it and kind of ignoring that is them creating this narrative and rolling with it because it fits what they're trying to do to be a good person? Which, again, great intentions. Bad way of going about it. Uh, but do you agree with all that? Let us know your thoughts in the comments below, in the Discord, link down below in the description. Remember, you can follow us on Patreon where these lovely people we're about to talk about support us. You can get custom cases if uh, for every quarter. You can choose a custom case. We send it to you for $5 tier um, every month, and we will also be improving that down the road once we make our changes that we are working on behind the scenes. But with that being said, Saul, do you have anything else to add? I'm good. Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you guys for joining us. This has been Triangle Squared. Thanks to our patrons, Chad V, Dan Barber, Josh Jarrell, Mikey12, My Name is Dan, Douglas Below, Shadowist, Steven Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Below, Blake Popst, Eduardo Palomino. If you'd like to support us, uh, the link is in the description below. Thank you.